0: Lastly, would you consider supporting this ministry? This is made possible by other people's generosity, and I'd love for you to pay it forward. Join us to reclaim the message and the movement of Jesus together. So would you consider giving to this ministry? I know that God is able to do immeasurably more through us when we come together. Thank you so much. God bless you, and enjoy. Good morning, how are we doing? Good. Good. Hey, thanks for joining us. This is week three. If you're online, glad you're here joining us in your pajamas, right? Uh, but glad you guys are here. Here's the thing. We have been talking about Christian Cat's phrases, and yeah, just talking about how ironic it is that uh, when you kind of live out those phrases, they, they mean well. I mean, you've heard them, but they really fall short, right? We've been talking about uh, several of them, and uh, the whole b- idea is that when you think about it, Jesus never what? He never what? He never, he said, he never said that. He never really said that. So we've got, come up with some really fun ones. Um, in fact... I was thinking of this. I don't even think we say this oh well no, we say this, but um, we don't even think it was like Jesus said it, but like the idea of Jesus taking the wheel, anybody heard of that? Yeah. Jesus take the wheel." It, was that from the Bible? Or was that a song? Is that a song? Yeah. By whom? By whom? Yes, OK. I was going to say Clay Clarkson, but no, I would be stoned. Okay, calm down, OK? Jesus taking the wheel, we love the idea of that, but first of all, he doesn't even know how to drive. Second of all, if Jesus showed up at the DMV and had to wait in line, Jesus would lose his Jesus, you know what I'm saying? Like he would just, it would be like, oh, what are we doing here? What are we doing here? So this morning I want to talk about a particular phrase, okay? So if you have not caught up, you can go back, go on YouTube or Spotify or whatever and um, catch up, but today I want to talk about a particular saying, it's a fun one. And in fact, it's one that people uh, use that are not necessarily uh, religious people. Like, they're not Christians by any means. And I think it's pretty international. It's an international phrase. It's not just a Western thing. It's not just a, like a Christian thing. It's a phrase that people use all the time. And I was reminded about this because I was meeting with a team of people and we're pulling off TED uh, for our city. Now, have you ever heard of TED Talks? Anybody here at TED Talks? Right? Okay. So it's, this is pretty historic that we are, uh, we are hosting TEDx, which is uh, this uh, re- regional TED Talks, um, for our city this Friday here. Tickets are on sale. They're almost out. Anyways, <laughs> sorry. But uh, you can apply and all that. And if you want to volunteer, let me know as well or let us know. We can figure that out. But it's historic. It's pretty cool. I got to speak uh, or do a TED Talk and... Um, and then uh, that led to me coaching TED speakers, and then that led to being on the team, and that led to us uh, hosting it. But all around, I've been interacting with all kinds of people from our city. And what's great about this is that as a pastor, number one, I'm like, do, you, do they know I'm a pastor? Because I don't know if you know TED community, they're not really religious at all. And I'm like, I, I always joke about it. I'm like, how did you like, guys let me in? Like, you know, I'm like... You know I'm a pastor, and they remind me I'm not a good one. So that's why, (laughs) that's why I'm in, apparently. That's why I'm in. Um, Yeah. So, but around me, they use the phrase that I want to talk about. The phrase is this, okay? This is how you say the phrase, or you've heard the phrase. Here's what happens. This is the context. You're in a conversation, uh, maybe honestly talking about someone else. It's always about someone else. You're having a conversation, and then you say something. You say something that shocks even you and, then, and the people that you're talking to about uh, someone else, and you say it, and then instantly you say this phrase, I'm going to go to hell for that. <laughs> Come on. I've like, okay, got people turning around right now going, uh, <laughs> yes. How many of you have said that? Yep. yep I'm going to go to hell for that. How many of you have said, you're going to go to hell for that? The good thing is, with, with Ted, the TED team, I say that all the time. I'm like, you're going to go to hell for that. You're going to go to hell for that, which they love. Okay, but I think the phrase though reminds us about a condition that um, humans have. Like, regardless of like um, your background. Like, I grew up Muslim. I grew up in the Middle East, um, and regardless of your cultural background, this idea that you could do something that will lead you to a place is very um, true to our soul. Like it, it's embedded in us. That you and I could do, do something that will lead us to a place. Like you're gonna say something, you're gonna do something, you've done something, and you're like, that's, I'm gonna go to hell for that. Now it's, it's sometimes a joke because you're like, I can't believe you said that. But if you dig deeper, if you go, if you stop and think about it, for some of us we go, um, yeah, I think there are certain things I could do that could seriously get me to hell. And then other people, you're like, um, they, they're doing things, and you're like, I think they're gonna go to hell. Or we have people that go, you know what, I think people should go to hell for that. Like you have a list, you don't write it down, it's not on your iPhone, you know, notes, but you have a list of people that go, they should go to hell, they should go to hell, they should go to hell. I mean, when you think of even, even uh, I mean, uh, tyrants, like things that people have allowed, uh, allowed or uh, magnified, or the things that they have promoted that cause suffering to other people. I mean, I think of, I think of what's happening in Russia and Ukraine. And I think of all the things. And, and frankly, I have had to stop reading the news because I'm like, I can't take this. I can't take this. Because first I'm like, I'm like God, what, what's going on here? And then s- the next I'm like, someone stop that guy. Someone do something. And so if, do I have a list of people that should go somewhere? Yes, I do. Maybe. Maybe. I do. I do. I do. But do you believe that there's something you could do and I could do that will take us to a place? And for some of us, you, if you grew up in a certain denomination, certain um, religious idea, you're like, of course, of course, of course. But let's talk about that because I think so many of us struggle with it. I think deep down there's, a, there's, a, there's something inside of you that says, you know, I could really do something that will lead me there. I'll never forget. I'll never forget uh, this conversation. Uh, it happened right after a church service years ago, and I was about to leave, and this, this lady uh, pulled up again. Like, I was leaving the parking lot. This car pulled up, and I kind of looked at her, and she was like, trying to get my attention. Anyways, we started talking, um, and she said, I just needed to, I just, I was hoping to find you, and I I, just, I left, and I came back. I just, and I'm like, what what's going on? What's going on? And she said, here's the thing. And she's like, you know, like, um, you know, g- smart, sophisticated, uh, intelligent woman and dressed up, I mean, just the, everything. Just, and she comes up and she's like, "I." Um, she said, my dad committed suicide and I just need to know that if he's in hell or not. And I was like, wow. I said, I just feel, I've, and then she just said, I, I grew up believing that if you committed suicide, if a person committed suicide, they go to hell. No questions asked. No questions asked. It is the unforgivable, forgivable sin, and I could relate to that because I uh, I'm I grew up Muslim, and so that is very that's you can you don't forgive that, and I have personal you know I have personal um, I guess connection to it because my dad tried to commit suicide, and so I, all these feelings started popping up, and I thought, man, I've got to talk about this idea. This idea that, that, that we grow up with, or our kids grow up with, or you grew up with, that says, hey, if you do this, you're going to go to hell. So how, how do we do this, right? I know, it was all fun and games, and now we're like, why are you talking about hell? This is my first time here. Hello? <laughs> Calm it down. Let's, let's start with heaven. Like, what's, what's going on here? Thanks for the coffee, but now hell? Really? Well, we're not talking about hell. We are talking about what, how, what do you and I think about? When we think about hell, why do you think we should go there? See, the question really is, is that, is that um, what do we do with the guilt that we feel? Because it's not the act itself, it's the guilt connected to it. But like we believe there's a consequence to the, some of the things we do. And so some people, some denominations, some um, cultures believe that there is a significant punishment for that um, and so, yes, people deserve this kind of punishment, and, and some people call it hell. Other people call it purgatory, where you kind of just step down, you know? I mean, if, if, if hell is the, the sweet, you know, you're on the, you're on the up, up floor, top floor, like depending on, they have a scale. Uh, people, cultures, religions all over have figured out ways to deal with guilt. And that's why you and I will just say it. I'm going to go to hell for that. Because there's, guilt prompts it. Guilt, like, ah, oh, I shouldn't have said that, but I'm going to go to hell for that. I'm going to go to hell for that. And I wonder, would Jesus say that? Would Jesus say, oh, you're going to go to hell for that? Like, would he ever turn around and, I mean, Simon Peter, if you know anything about the Gospels, Simon Peter said all kinds of things. There was, the closest Peter got to a um, rebuke, in a sense, was, Get thee behind me, Satan. Satan. Okay, if you ever heard that, it I was like get behind. But he never, he never, he was like, oh, and you're going to go to hell for that too, right? No. So what did you just say? See, I think this morning, you and I could have a breakthrough when it comes to guilt in our lives. You really could. So if you understand one, two things. Number one, that we as humans, when it comes to guilt, we like to manage our guilt. We like to manage it. And the problem with managing guilt is that it leads to a life of shame um, or pride. And so even religion does it. Religion tries to manage guilt. The problem is it leads to what? It leads to shame and, do you remember, and what? Pride. It leads to that. You can't, you can't avoid those things. The way we manage it is like, I was thinking about this. I was thinking about this idea of a, a guilt jar, okay? Okay? a guilt jar that I think that sometimes we carry around. And we've got, we've got money in the guilt jar, right? Like you might have a, a jar in your office that people say do something wrong and you're like, okay, you're gonna put that in there, okay? Like maybe a swear jar, how many of you have a swear jar? How many of you should get a swear jar? Some of you are writing this down, we're gonna do this for the family, okay? Tommy, you're four years old, stop using that word, like, right? You're like, I'm gonna, I like this, let's have a, let's have a jar. Let's collect money. Okay, some of you families are having too much fun. You're like, okay, we're going to come up with all kinds of things. But, but a guilt jar is how I think we manage guilt. The first thing we do is we count it. If it's, if it's like money, and this is a monopoly of money, right? Okay, not real money because I don't trust you guys. <laughs> so, okay, so if you, if, you, if you start managing it, you got to start with counting it. So for some of you, mentally... Subconsciously, you have a tip, you have a, not tip jar, you have a guilt jar that you, you count. You know in your head what stuff you are guilty of. Like how much money you have. Like some of you, you walk in here and depending on your personality, you're like, I got nothing, I'm, I'm guilt free. Others of you are like, ah, there's that one thing. Or there's that two things. I'm guilty of this, I'm guilty of this. Regardless, the first thing we do is we count it. We count it, this is how we manage it. We count what we have. So b- depending on how much you feel you have in your guilt jar, uh, that's how, I guess, good you feel about yourself spiritually. That's how you relate with God. You're like, I think he listens to me because I'm kind of running low on this right now. I'm good. Or oh, well, that weekend happened and it's full. It's all full. So you count it. Then, I think we do this. I think we compare it. Like we compare it. We compare it as in like, okay, okay my jar is full, but let's look at yours. Let's look at yours, right? Okay, if, you, if you're, if you, if, I mean, we do this with friends. Like, you have a friend, you have a co-worker, and every time you, go, you feel, like, bad about your spirituality, you go to work with them, and you're like, I'm amazing. <laughs> Compared to that guy, I'm good. I am so good, right? So good, I'm so good, I'm, I'm so pure. That guy, she, ah, oh, right? And then what happens is you switch. You, do, you leave work maybe or you go to another environment and you feel, find someone that actually their jar is, seems to be clear. Like they're like super spiritual. And then you go, oh man, I'm terrible. I'm terrible. I don't know. I'm not quite sure. I'm not quite sure. So what do we do? We count it. We compare it. And what else do we do? Okay. We, I think we balance it. We balance it out. Or counterbalances. Like for example, how many of you, okay, how many of you be honest, how many of you, because I've done it, I've done it. I'll be the first one to say yes. How many of you um, have ever made a serious deal with God in the shower? Anybody, anybody. <laughs> just, I, mean, I know, I know. You're like, why, why are we talking about this? Just Just go with me, okay? Have you ever made a deal? Yep. You've made a deal. you made a deal. Water's running, you're like, God. Just, if you just will. If you would just do, I I promise. I, I, promise. <laughs> I promise. I promise. I promise. I will never. This will never happen. I, I. You've made a deal, and what you're doing is you're counterbalancing it. You're like, you're like, okay, I, 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 if you could just save me from this, if you could do this. Some of us balance it by, by basically doing good things. You do good things. You literally think that you can take good, You can do good things, and that removes all kinds of money all kinds of money from the guilt jar. You're like, oh, I'm gonna serve, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do this, and I gotta tell you, I mean, listen, I've been doing church uh, for a long time, and I know there are people who volunteer and serve, and sometimes I look behind the curtain of their intentions, and it's really like they're trying to empty their jar. I mean, listen, I'll take volunteers any, not (laughs) me. You know what I'm saying? Money is money. And serving is serving, whatever. I mean, if you're a little guilty, I don't care. That's fine. I'm joking. I'm joking. Okay. But the goal is the goal is to empty this bad boy out, because I lived a life. I lived a life, and I'm, I'm 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 about to empty this whole thing out. I got. I'm gonna serve. I'm gonna be at church, and all of this. And the problem is, is people even who do that, they end up they end up thinking that that's going to empty it. And, and then on the other side of it, they've done so much work that this doesn't get empty. That for some reason, they do something or they feel something or their inner voices just start talking to them. And it just fills it up and fills it up and fills it up. And then, then six months later, you find yourself still just full, full of it. And you're trying to counterbalance it. And I got to be honest with you, most religions do that most religions do that or, or or you know how much money you got or how much guilt you got you know it's actually maybe big a lot more than others and you also know there's no amount of good stuff that can that can help you out because you your mouth just gets in trouble your mind your heart loves jesus your mouth is from satan you know what i'm saying like you're like I don't know what, I can't control this thing, okay? I am sorry, like what, do, I, can I baptize this? No, it's called washing your mouth out with soap. I don't know, I don't think. It's a thing, it's not a Middle Eastern thing. I don't know what you guys are doing. Okay, but what do you do if you can't do all those three? I think what you do is you conceal it. You conceal it, so no one knows about it. Just a jar, nothing, nothing to look here, I'm good. I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. You're good. I'm good. I'm good. And what happens is is that, unfortunately, religious people do that the best. They just do. They just do. You know how to play the game. You do, you're, you're a pro. You know how to do it. Problem is, it's still there, and nothing's changed. And so, so something will happen in your life and you will get consumed with spiritual guilt and shame. Why? Because guilt, managing guilt, always leads to a life of shame. And then the flip side is what? Pride. Pride. And then people walk around going, I'm good and I'm, I'm better than you, bro. I mean, shoot, I go to church and I, I play the part. And, and it's, that's how you get self-righteousness. You just, you just are super good at this. Super good at this. But is there a better way? I think there is. Because if, if you do this, and if I do this, we're going to keep on believing that at some point, I'm going to go to hell for that. At some point, Jesus is like, hey, excuse me, let's look at this. And you're going to go to hell for that. So the problem is, we've kind of, we're stuck. See, that's why... The message of Jesus is so different because Jesus does not manage our sin. He reconciled it. He reconciled how oh, you reconcile money. He reconciled your debt. He reconciled it so you could live in, in, in freedom, so you could live uh, free and you could live in love and power and grace. You could live that kind of life. And read you a passage of scripture here that I think will help you and me out. Because if you don't understand that Jesus has reconciled our guilt, then, then we can't, we'll always live bound, not free. And and we'll always live in maybe a fake pride. But when we realize he has reconciled our sin, we will live in freedom and honestly, a humility, a deep humility it doesn't. Walk around going, I'm so humble, but there is a sense of like, I'm good. I'm not trying to prove anything to you. You walk around work and people just go, there's something about him. He's not trying to pretend. He's not trying to do anything. What's going on? He's such at peace. Yeah, because when, you're, when you live your life free and humble, it looks like peace. It, re- it looks like peace. But you know what does not look like peace? When you're always prideful, And you're always like just in in shame and guilt. So let me read you a passage of scripture. Romans 3 says this. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Let's stop right there. Here, Jesus has told and showed Paul, and Paul's lived this out, Paul who wrote this, He's talking to the Romans, people who understand this idea of religion. He's saying to them, first of all, we've, we're all guilty. It's awful for all of us. So, so stop comparing, stop counting, and stop balancing it out. Stop concealing it. What? He just starts off. He says, for everyone, everyone, we're on the same page here, for everyone We have done, this is what's happened. Yet, God in his grace freely makes us what? Makes us what? Help me out. Makes us what? Right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. He reconciled it. Romans 5, let me kind of paint the picture for you. Romans 5 says this. It says, through Adam's sin, death and and what's that word hell. and hell came to all men but another man Christ by his right act makes men free and gives them what gives them life and so what 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 is happening here when you read verses like this have you ever read John 3:16 right we know this can i read this to you and also read the verse 17 to you as well John 3:16 says this for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and what? Only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have what? Eternal life. God sent his son. Check this out. This verse is even more important than I think verse 16. The next one, this one right here. Verse 17, John three seventeen. It says, God sent his son into the world not to what? Judge it, but to what? Save it. To save it, to save it. So, what's happening here? What's what 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 are we painting here? The picture what we're painting here, friends, is that when you and I move from understanding that we don't need to um, manage our sin, we need to that God has reconciled it. That Jesus came down here to reconcile our sin. The the, the phrase "I'm going to go to hell for that." If Jesus was here, He would say not to be cheesy, cheesy, but if but if he was here, and you said something, and you did something, and your guilt popped up and said, I'm going to go to hell for that, I think if Jesus was in the room, he would say, hey, hey I came down for that. Like, you, the, I know, you think you're going to go to hell for that? I came down for that. I came down for that. Like, when you do something, you're like, I, you, you don't even understand, I can't believe I did this. I came down for that. Man, the unforgiveness and bitterness I'm holding on to, like I... I I came down for that. Man, the abuse that I fell into, the addiction that I'm a part of right now, I came down for that. Man, the hurt, the pain, oh my gosh, the, the evil inside of me, the, the anger. How, have you ever gotten so angry that you have surprised yourself? Like something came out of you and you're like, what was that? It was so deep inside. So deep inside. There's something inside that you like, I will never forgive myself for that. And even though there's a voice inside of you that says, yeah, 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 you, you can never forgive yourself for that. No one's ever going to forgive you for that. And you're going to go to hell for that. To that voice, Jesus says, I came down for that. That's why I came down. Because you can't do this. You can't manage it. You can't, you can't do this. That's why I came down. So when you say stuff, like you're, and you know it's so out of character for you. And you're like, oh, gosh, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? He's like, I came down for that. Yeah, but I keep praying the same prayer. I say, I'll never. You know how many, how many deals I've made in the shower? Come on. I'm going to stop taking a shower. I'm like, really? Like, I, I, I've done this. I've done this. He's like, yeah, I came down for that. Yeah, but I keep on doing this. Yeah, I came down for that. Yeah, but you don't understand. Yeah, I do understand. I came down for that. Luke 19. Luke 19 is one you need to memorize. Luke 19, 10, verse 10 says this. Luke 19, verse 10 says this. For the Son of Man came for what? To seek and save those who are lost. So if you find yourself lost in sin, lost in addiction lost in pain, lost in unforgiveness, lost in bitterness, if you find find yourself lost in confusion, lost in unbelief, lost in so much abuse, if you find yourself lost, that's why he came down. He didn't come down to make sure you knew that you're going to go to hell for that. He came down to say, I, I didn't come to judge you. I know what you're going through because i've seen humanity for thousands of years try to manage this and they do in very different ways very different ways like if you grew up catholic you know the rosary beads where you have to say all the hail marys are what are basically a way to go okay i'm going to compensate for my guilt i'm going to say these 500 of those or 200 of those do you know that the rosary beads exist in Islam? My dad had one. You might go, what? Yes. Instead of Hail Marys, we say Bismillah. So, I would say something, and my mom was like, well, that's 100 Bismillah's for you. And you might think, oh, that's a Catholic thing. No, no, that's a Muslim thing. Same deal. I, in fact, when my dad passed, I, I took, I have his, I have his, uh, it's called a tasbih. And I have his tasbih. And he would sit there and he would just say, bismillah, 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 bismillah. And what he is trying to do, what he's trying to do is reconcile his guilt and reconcile his his sin. And Jesus goes, hey, all of humanity has been trying to do this and it does not work. It does not work. Sin and guilt has to be reconciled. And I am doing this. Paul tried to explain this to uh, his uh, his Jewish people. And it, it, now, Judaism, you might think it's so strange, but Judaism and Islam and Catholicism have very similar veins. Very, very similar veins. And just being exposed to all of them, I was like, oh, wow, we do this. Okay, we're doing this same situation here, especially with Judaism and Islam, is especially Old Testament, very much connected to one another. And so here in Hebrews, um, the book of Hebrews, Paul is writing to them and trying to explain to them what Jesus is doing and has done to get rid of this idea of always trying to manage guilt. This idea of like trying to figure out a way that you can earn your way into heaven. And they believed in a system of... Of, of consequence they believe that, s- that someone had to reconcile it like someone's got to pay for this like there is a guilt chart and you've got to pay and you got to pay up big if you do it you got to pay up big if you do it and so he begins talking to them and telling them that hey your old systems of how you manage this does not work and he's trying to point out what Christ did to reconcile it and so let's just read what he wrote Verse, uh, chapter 10, he says this. He said, he's talking to them, he says, hey, the old system, the old system under the law of Moses was only a shadow. He's like, hey, remember what we used to do back in the day? It was only a shadow. It was a dim preview of the good things to come, not the good things themselves. He said, those didn't do it. He says, the sacrifices under the system were repeated again and again. Right, year after what? Year after. But they were never able to provide perfect cleansing for those who came to worship. If they could, if they could have provided perfect cleansing, the sacrifice would have what? Would have what? They would have stopped. He's like, why do you keep doing this? It's like The amount of animals you're sacrificing. We, we do this. And he's talking to them because he was one of them. He's like, we keep sacrificing animals. We keep on doing this whole ritual thing. Why hasn't it stopped? Why can't we just do it done? It's over. I'm sure if you ask the, the, the animals, they're like, thank you. <laughs> like, you know, I'm paying for your sin. And he says, it didn't stop. And he says, he says if, they, if they would have stopped, for worshipers would have been purified once for all time. And their feelings of what? Feelings of what? Feelings of guilt would have what? Disappeared, but it didn't happen. He's saying, it didn't happen. But instead, those sacrifices actually reminded them of their sin, what, year after year. Basically, every year they came to sacrifice, every year you guys come to the temple and sacrifice animals, here's what you hear. You're going to go to hell for that, but good news is, we killed this animal. But next year, all there's always next year. Like, what? And then it says, for it is, and he says this, he says, for it is, it is not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to what? And friends, I got to tell you, when he made this statement, it was mind-blowing, because if you grow up in a culture that says, no, this is what we do, then if someone comes up there and says, hey, this doesn't work, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. I remember talking to a a Muslim guy, um, we were going back and forth, and he was like r- trying to ex- understand w- how and why I would uh, convert. You know, I, so I, I, some of you guys know this, but uh, I, I was born and raised Muslim. I'm like, not like, oh, it was a thing for a season. No, no, it was, I am born and bred Muslim, okay, to the point where, that I needed a religious um, refugee status to stay in the country because. The two countries I'm connected to, Pakistan and Kuwait, practice Sharia law. Anybody heard of that phrase before? Okay, that means you kill the people. One of those laws is, is that you or the village, the town, the mayor, whoever, is allowed to imprison or kill a person who, like me, was born raised Muslim and then converts. Like, I didn't even know this when I came to, when I started following Jesus. I was like, oh, Jesus. And then someone said, hey, by the way, did you know? And I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no. So for, for, for years, I could not go back to Kuwait. I mean, honestly, I haven't been back to Kuwait since I've been here. I've, been, I've sneaked into Pakistan. <laughs> I have. It was on the down low, and I survived. It's all good. But, um, not allowed. Not allowed. Why is this important? Well, because when I was talking to him, I I remember thinking about what he thought about. Because as a Muslim, he was like, okay, so hold on, this whole son of God thing, and how, how does this even work? I mean, you can't just believe on someone, and then all of a sudden, you're all good, and the guilty jar goes away. He's like, that does not work. And besides the fact, as a Muslim, I mean, I'm having a hard time understanding why God or how God could have a son. I mean, come on. I mean, God's not a man, and it just gets strange and all that. And then I said, "Okay, okay, I, I get what you, I get what you mean about that." And then I said, "Hey, have you, do you remember growing up sacrificing animals?" Also, side note, Muslims do that too. So him being a Muslim, he was like, "Oh yeah, I remember." I was like, "Yeah, you remember that they would have?" And then we started going on a dark, a painful uh, memory because we're like, "Remember they used to tell, tell us they were pets, and then they weren't pets, and then we killed them. Like, remember that?" They're like, "Yeah, that was dramatic." Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got a good, good therapist for that. But anyways, anyway, so, so, so yeah, uh, he and I connected with the idea that we grew up with animals and then we sacrificed them for our sins. And I said, hey, do you remember that, um, like sometimes cousins would get together and we would actually, um, get a bigger animal and we, and we would all like p- put money together for it. And we would say, okay, one animal for these five families, okay, rock and roll, it's all good. And they were like, yes, yes, yes. And they'd do a whole uh, ritual for that. And then you would sacrifice the animal. And guess what? For that year, man, the sins of not just my family, but all my cousins, you know, five other families, whatever, would be reconciled. And he said, yeah, I remember that. We do that? I still do that. All right. I was like, oh, great. Okay. I said, let me ask you this. How many animals will it take to sacrifice, to reconcile the sins of every human ever born and ever would be born? He was like, well, that's a lot of animals. I said, it's like a God-sized animals. And he was like, yeah, it's like ungodly amount. I said, no, it's, it's, it's God himself. That's the only way. So Jesus is the Lamb of God who took away the sin of the world. And he sat back, and he was like, I was like, yeah exactly i said that's what jesus is saying and that is what paul is saying he's saying that he has reconciled it. second corinthians paul writes this to a church he says therefore if anyone is in christ a new creation has come the old has gone the new is here all this is from god who what reconciled us to himself through christ And then he gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting, what, people's sins, what, against them. And he's committed to us the message of reconciliation. And Paul was so convinced about this. His message continually was about this because it seemed to be the case in Paul's, Time that people will continually go back to trying to manage their sin. Even if they knew this, they would go back to try to figure out a way to earn their way into heaven. And unfortunately, now thousands of years have passed with Christianity, and yet pockets of Christianity, huge pockets of Christianity, still practice the idea that it's not just by God's grace, it is you manage it. That you have to work and do stuff to make sure you get in with God. Again and again, you you can walk around and talk to people. You can visit churches and there's a, there's a way you're supposed to act and a way you're supposed to live and a way you're supposed to do certain things and there, there's certain things. And I'm not saying that you should not have a, a, a more noble character i mean we should we should be the kindest most loving generous people in the world not no doubt about that but there is a cult-like idea of like no no i do good so i can be good and so what jesus is like i just made you good so do good i just made you good and Paul was so convinced of that. In so many letters, he writes this. In one particular letter in Galatians, he says this. It is for, he says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. His first line of this is actually like he is getting mad. He's like, what is wrong with you guys? He actually starts with that. Read, read it yourself. He's like, what is wrong with you? You guys are being, he's like, you, you're being Foolish you're being idiots here. What are you doing? What are you doing? He's waking people up who've heard this message before, and he's saying, what are you doing? What are you doing? He said, it's for freedom that Christ has set you free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourself be burdened by the yoke of what? Slavery. Now, he uses the word slavery because he wants to trigger something, you're talking to Jewish people who have generational slavery in their heritage, and he just throws out, hey, don't act like a slave. People are like, hey, 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 don't bring that up. Why does Paul use such strong language? You know why? Because for generations, Jewish people were slaves, and for generations, they had a slave mentality. And let me tell you what it's a big difference between a slave versus a free person. A slave's identity is wrapped up in their ability. work that's it you are not a good slave if you can't do work if you don't have any ability you are a terrible slave you are only worth how much you can work and paul goes i'm calling you slaves okay don't get mad at me you're acting like slaves you think that your worth is wrapped up in your spiritual work you're acting like slaves. You think the more good you do, the more God will love you and the more value you'll have. What is wrong with you? What is wrong with you? Do you not know it's for freedom Christ has set you free? Because they're walking around going, okay, I'm going to go to hell for that. I'm going to go to hell for that. I better do this, and I better do that, and I better do this, and I better do that. And I think some of us do live the same way. And if Paul was here, he's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Why do you act like this? Don't act like a slave. Your worth is not in the work you do. It's in who you are. It's who you are. You you have intrinsic value. It's not connected to any work. So as we end this morning's conversation, I wonder how many of us are like really imprisoned. Imprisoned by our work, by, by our guilt jar by our wanting and figuring out to manage our guilt and shame. And what if you and I were to just believe, and that's the, that's the big thing right here, like the, 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 the go and to do things, the the first the five steps to, of this message, because there, there's no five steps, There's the, the stuff, the practical stuff of this message, there's no to do. There's no, I mean, if there's anything close to it to do, it would be a belief. Just believe this. Believe this. Reject the voice that says, hey, hey, you're going to go to hell for that. Accept the voice. Hear the voice that says, hey, I came down for that. Stop. I came, fi- I came down for that. Like the, the life you want to live, I came down for that. And here's how this life is. It's in John 17. Jesus, this is Jesus praying. One of his last pr- prayers are recorded. And he's praying to the Father. This is a conversation with his dad. And he says this. He says, man, I, man I, and he's just talking. And he says, you know what? And he says this. And now, this is eternal life, isn't it? He's like, d- God, d- Dad, I, I don't know how he says it, but he's like, this is eternal life. That they would just, they would just, know, they would just know you. They would just know you. And the, the only true God and Christ Jesus, this is Jesus praying. He says, I just wish they knew you, and they knew what I did, whom you've sent. Like, this is it. This is it. If they would just believe it. So this morning, as we close, man, could could you drop that jar? Could you just believe? Could some of us just drop the idea that we've been raised in to believe that we are, We're going to get good enough at some point. Maybe you've never heard the message of Jesus like this before. But it's not wrapped up in what you do. It's wrapped up in what he did. And do I even begin to understand? I don't know. All I know is he's reconciled our sins and they do not count against us. The past sins, the present sins, and yes, even the future sins. Because He doesn't live in time and space and I don't know how this works but it does so could we pray together could we ask God to, do, to, to show us if you would, why don't you bow your heads if you would all bow your heads I think for some of us we need to have this moment be the moment that we go God I been trying to reconcile my life. My guilt, my shame. I've been trying to reconcile and manage my righteousness. I've tried, I'm trying, I'm doing this all day. For some reason, I I just am convinced that if, if, if I don't really perform, I'm not going to be loved. If I don't really get better at this i i'm not going to be accepted somehow i have that 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 i've done some things in my life and that i so regret i wish i could take them back and i can't take them back and i'm just trying to make sure i do good for some of us we would say i i, I sort of have blood on my hands i i just have stuff i have just stuff and i've been trying so hard all these years to just do good and somehow cleanse it. And year after year, week after week, I come again and again asking for the same forgiveness because I just think that I just have to do good. And Father, I just pray in Jesus' name today that we would hear your voice that says, I came down for that. I I came down for that. I came down to save you not to judge you, to save you. I already know who you are and what you've done and what you are capable of doing. I know that you think that you're doing good and you might hit a rough patch in the next 10 years or so and and you might think, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm actually this kind of person. And I just want to tell you right now, I know the kind of person you're going to become. I know the person you have been and i know the person that you are right now and i forgive you i have reconciled your sin i'm not counting your sin against you but all i ask is that you would just believe 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 in the in the god who insists to be called father and to his son the lamb of god the word of God Jesus Christ just believe believe that he came and he's reconciled your sin and then give your life over to him so today I pray that all of us once again would say this Jesus I give you my life I give you my life God I give you my guilt i give you my shame i give you my bondage i give you my addiction i give you my depression i give you my anxiety i give you my anger my bitterness my cynicism i give that to you i pray you reconcile it i reject being imprisoned by guilt once again. Once again. Once again, I don't want to be controlled by shame. So today, I say, Jesus, I give you my life. Thanks for listening to this message from Mosaic Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. For more audio and video content, visit us at mosaicchurch.tv.